I'm Terry Taylor, and this is the Interior Design Business Academy podcast. As an interior designer, you may be thinking, I love what I do, but I am so overworked and underpaid. Let me tell you, I've been there too. I spent many years learning from my own mistakes and developing proven strategies and systems to make interior design a profitable career while keeping it fun and creative. So now I'm here to help you get paid what you're worth. If you're ready for some straight talk about how design business really works and you're ready to break through old belief systems that are holding you back and shift into beliefs that support your goals and bring lasting success, you are in the right place. Hi, I've been talking lately to a lot of designers that have a really good practice going, and that's really fun. I like, I like to see that happen. But defining a really good practice, I'd say that it's plenty of ideal clients. They're out coming in the door, the ones that you want to be talking to. The jobs they're bringing are big enough. You're stepping into them. That part's working. It's, um, yeah, you're getting published. That looks good. That's looking really good. Doing maybe 800 a mil a year. Nice, nice, solid business, right? Looks good on the outside. However, underneath in the back end, eh, not so much, not so much. You know, we're really good at making things look good, <laughs> right? It's part of our talent, right? But sometimes it belies what's really going on in the background. And what's happening is there's a whole lot of money going through your accounts, but nothing left over in the end. It's like it goes in, it goes out. It goes in, it goes out. And you don't really know why. can't really put a finger on why it is that you're working so hard and producing so much and creating great jobs so that can be photographed and be published and, and all of that piece is working, but the financial stuff isn't happening. It, you know, it seems like, and it is true, that the owner, the designer, should be making a pretty substantial paycheck out of that. You should be doing really well, but often not so much, not so much. So what's happening there? Let's take that apart and see what really is happening. Well, first of all, the financial stuff is not very clear, okay? If you don't have good financial reporting that you understand and know how to use, you can't find where the problem is because obviously there's a big money leak here. This is a big money leak, okay? It's, it's, it's a, a lot, right? And there's going to be a lot of places that need to be stopped and turned over so that the money funnels to you and not just slides out the door or never gets in the door. Okay. But if you don't have good financial reporting, you can't find it and you don't know where it is. So, and there I'm talking about job profitability reports, the ability to look at a job when it's complete and sit down and say, this is what happened. This is how we did it. This is the money that came in. This is the money that came out on each individual proposal. How did we do? Did we make our margins? Do we even have a goal for what the margin should be? Often they don't. Okay. That this is, this is part of the problem is, is having this target that you're aiming for and having some kind of consistency. So you don't know when you're profitable and when you're not, and you don't know why you weren't profitable. Right. And so that you can fix it. And then you don't know when you were profitable so that you could carry those forwards as best practices. It's kind of, it's a weird spot to be in, but I know I've been there, but you, you know, you don't know what you don't know. That's 
that's it, right? Now, one of the problems is that the paperwork tends to be kind of spotty, right? It's sometimes done consistently and then sometimes not. Sometimes designers get creative with their paperwork or set up a system for their employees or, or you know, 1099 people to help them. And those people follow it, but the designer doesn't. And it makes a mess within the paperwork because you can't track anything. It shows up as like purchase proposals for some things, but not others, or things that's bought without purchase orders, without the POs in there <laughs> when they shouldn't be, or things that were purchased before they were actually sold. All that kind of mishmash really affects your bottom line. Um, now, you should be using design management software. And I always say, I don't care which one you want to use. It's, they're all, they're all pretty good. It's like, which interface do you like best and who's got the best tech support for you? All right. Then choose one and then stick to it. But what has to happen is everything has to go through it. Okay. <laughs> Not most of it or not some of it. You can't sort of use the software because you won't get the financial benefit down on the other end if you if you just use part of it. You've got to get in there all the way and use the system that's there to actually propel your business forward. Okay. Now, another spot that shows up that can be a money leak is that your your markup on your products is inconsistent. Um, this often happens when everything has to go through the owner to be priced, and it depends on the owner's mood or how they feel about today, whether we're feeling abundant or scarce, uh, and that can affect markups on products wildly, all right? Um, this is something that really needs to be addressed and really needs to be a consistent piece no matter what, because markups need to be done by team, not by you, okay? Part of this problem is you're in everything, right? And you, you've got to get you out of there, okay? So one of it is consistent markups. And and, and the very often, you know, and I know, I, I used to do it too. If I was feeling busy, I mean, like up to my ears, like we have too much going on, we can just barely handle what we got, we would mark stuff up. I would get high margins. Okay. I don't care. If you want me to buy this for you, you're going to pay for it because I'm really busy. And I would, we would just slam those proposals out at some pretty outrageously big numbers, we thought. And of course, people still stepped in, right? And it, it, it was just because I was feeling that way at the time. And then if I got into a scarcity situation where money started getting tight, I don't know where the next job's coming. I don't see it yet. I start scringing and perhaps reducing prices because in my brain, I think I'm making it more attractive if it's less expensive, which is not true. <laughs> it's just not even, you know, it's one of those weird money things we get into. So, you know, there's a spot that we need to work on for sure. Often, not all the time you're working is getting billed, especially your time. This premium $175, $200 an hour time needs to be billed in entirety, and it needs to be really clean. Now, if you're still working on hourly billing, it can work, but it doesn't work well. All right. It takes a lot of time to write those bills. Um, we miss a lot of things. We don't get enough of it in there. The difference between 
using fees and, and having a real fee that actually addresses the job and actually has, you've figured out how you're going to use that fee and assigned it to your people. And there's a whole back end to that, to figuring out how long it takes to do a design job and not just ambling along, hoping you can bill whatever it is you decide to do next. Um, that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't work well. It doesn't work well for your clients because they don't know if they're going to get a bill for, for, <clears throat> $5,500 or $500. They never know. Okay. That's not a great place to put your client into, right? <laughs> and it's not good for your cash flow either because you don't know what you've got. So there's another money leak in there. When you get into fee based design, you're always going to do better. Always. Um, it's just, it's kind of like a no brainer. <laughs> Something I don't want to talk about, argue about anymore because it's so, it's so basically simple. But at any rate, that, that shift alone can make a huge difference in the money leaks in your business. Because inevitably, not all the time gets billed. Inevitably, it's less. Inevitably, a client calls up and says, how come you're billing for that? It took you that long to do that. You know, when that kind of stuff starts popping up, you've lost the trust in the job, and that job's going downhill. It's not going to get better. So, you know, watch watch out for that stuff. The reality check is that there's just a whole lot of money within the whole financial piece getting left on the table. In the coaching I do and the businesses that I've worked on, I observe that it's about 30%, that once we get all that stuff cleaned up, you, you increase your, your top end number, your gross number, about 30% when you start capturing all those pieces. And it's not like the client won't pay them. They're fine. They're fine with that. It's the capturing and having the system to do it and having it done in a way that you personally are not doing it. Okay. <laughs> because part of the problem here is you doing everything thing bottlenecks the business. Okay. And I know you don't really realize that, but, or maybe you do realize that, but you know, you're still in that position of being the bottleneck and it's tricky. I know exactly. I've been there more than once. So I know exactly what that is. So you got to know that if you've got a good, clean financial system um, and you can see what goes right and what goes wrong by looking at key numbers and you have that delivered to you, you can make good decisions about the business and you can up the amount of your cash flow that's coming to you um, dramatically. Um, the other thing that allows you a lot of leeway is when you've got good financials that you can read and you understand and you know what the, we'll call them KPIs, the, the indicators are, you can make good decisions about course correction around where, what you need to tweak and what you need to turn a little bit to make it work better. So that's a, that's a big piece when you're, when you're working with these kinds of numbers. Now, the second struggle we're going to have in here is the owner slash designer it does everything absolutely everything in the business right because there's no solid team backup right we've had employees we've had people come and go if you're lucky you've had somebody for a while and they help they help you a lot however you know the swiss army knife person is fairly hard to find it doesn't doesn't happen too often so mostly what's happening in these in these kinds of design businesses you've had employees but they moved on you know as soon as you got them going at a pretty good place you lost them or you've had interns and they were pretty good they were getting to go getting better getting more 
more in into it, but then they lift because they need to do what they need to do. I mean, they're moving up and using you as a step. So, so the whole idea of an intern helping you is really just teaching them. It's not really such a benefit to you because they don't, they don't stay long enough to, to make it happen. Okay. You know, we, we've tried to get people. You've had employees. You've had 1099 peoples. You had a VA for a while, but you didn't quite know how to use her. And then that went away. And, you know, it, it, it's very, very common that we have these struggles with our businesses because we're exhausted by doing absolutely everything. And the whole idea of building a team is just kind of beyond the grasp. It's like, what does that look like? And why would that be? And and how could that happen? But the reality is that when you spend your time putting out fires all the time, which was what turns out is you're the, the head fire putter outer. <laughs> and I know that one well too. But the reality there is, you know, you've got a $200 an hour person doing a $30 an hour job and you can't afford that. You literally can't afford it because, you know, the money's leaking out, <laughs> leaking out all over, out, out underneath the door. We, we, we just have to shift that entirely. The struggle here is that designers tend to be the bottleneck in the business, okay? Because we hold on to everything. We don't want to let go. We don't want to relinquish control, okay? That's a biggie. <laughs> I can tell you a few stories about that. For me, I didn't learn to let go and let other people do things till I got so slammed in a corner um, so, <laughs> so deeply that I couldn't possibly finish these jobs. I couldn't possibly get done what had to be done for all the commitments we'd made. And I had to let my, at the time, three assistants, three design assistants, I didn't know how to build out a team then, right? So I had three design assistants, let them do these these houses so that I could get this job finished. So being absolutely backed in the corner and having to assign each assistant their own, <laughs> this is the time I was doing model houses, their own model to do, it was so, so scary. However, what happened? <laughs> what happened was they each produced something really unique that was different than what I would have produced, okay? And that was the scary part, of course. I was looking at one of them as it's installing and the paint colors are going in and then some wallpaper went in and I'm looking at this going, oh no, oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to cost me a lot to fix this. That's really what ran through my mind. But I also remembered not to be a bad client. Right now, the bad client thing is when you you get the paint colors up and they totally freak out and think everything is wrong because it's different. And yet, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You have ten conversations trying to calm down this paint color that you know once the flooring goes in, it's absolutely dead on perfect. But right now, it looks like it's yellow. It's not. It's it's a beige that's slightly creamy. So. I didn't want to do that to my design assistant who was, who was do, doing this house. And so I let it go in. I let all the pieces go in, got the whole thing installed, went back upstairs and looked at it. The part I was worried about was beautiful, fabulous, absolutely dead on. And when the executives came to walk through those models, as they do before every opening to check it out, they loved it. And their comment to me was, these are great. They don't all look like you, Terry. <laughs> I kind of went, oh, well, I guess others 
others can do a good job for me and I can still have my signature on it. So that was the learning lesson. And for me, I actually never did a whole design job after that. I had everybody doing pieces of things and designing chunks and totally changed my business model once I learned that. So <laughs> you need to encourage you to, to think about letting go of the control because that's what keeps you stuck as the bottleneck in your business. You have to let it open up and ex expand out a little bit beyond being the designer who's a star with a couple of helpers, all right, to uh, a designer who's a business owner who does high-end residential jobs, okay? It's a different mindset. There's a different mindset there, a shift into being a business and creating the business. Because up until now, it's all been all about serving clients, serving clients, serving clients. And if you, it's kind of like being on the, I call it the hamster wheel. It's that exercise wheel in the hamster cage where they get on it and they run and run and run and run and run and you don't get anywhere. You know, that's what happens if you just work on jobs. When you shift and have this mindset shift about creating a business, it totally takes it in another direction. And it's where you need to go to move this next level up. When we talk about leverage, this is what it means, okay? This is what leverage is for an interior design business, okay? So, yeah, here's how it has to work. It's got to be a bit different situation. What we want to end up with is a team of people who all know what to do, okay? So, mostly in this situation, what's happened before is you had people in the business, had, had hired people to help you, but you had to tell them individually every day what it is you wanted them to do. It takes way too much brain power to do that because all you're thinking is about what you're going to have these people do today instead of what do we need to be doing to move this project forward to to be able to sell it so that the money turns and that you get paid and I can pay all these people and make all that happen, right? Is there's this movement that has to happen and a timing that needs to happen that has to that has to come up. And when you have this group of people that's your team, everybody on that team is an expert in their little piece of what they do really, really well. And so we need to let them do well and just manage how that all comes together. What happens is that, you know, when you've, <laughs> you're trying to tell one person at a time what to do, you're stuck in that loop. Once you get into um, setting up some systems, then those people all know what to do and you don't have to tell them. They're just going to check in and say, this is done, this is done, this is done. Okay, it flips the whole paradigm upside down and comes back at you at the other direction. Okay, just because they have systems, they can take care of things like client inquiries and discovery calls, CAD drafting, sourcing, right? Pricing. You know, do you love doing this stuff? I don't, right? I would love to give this away. This is what I didn't want to do, right? Putting together proposals, getting those ready, making sure the purchase orders are correct and ordering off the purchase orders, getting that whole cycle going so that they can be followed up on and, and tracking. Um, scheduling pieces, setting up installs, scheduling all these people in. Client communications, you don't have to do all that as long as your people know what to do and it's a consistent way, you can get that off your back too. 
Uh, project management could be done by somebody else. Now, this whole piece, this whole development of this back-end room is something that I'm, <laughs> I'm very passionate about. It is the way that I was able to start this business, to start coaching and working on business systems and that sort of thing, <laughs> because I had a team in my studio that could run all those things, and all I'm doing is the front end, actually talking to the clients, bringing them into the business, of course. I need to be the face and the voice of the business. I set up all the concepts, um, what that's going to go, where that's going to go, and that sort of thing, and sell the job to the client, right? So I'm the rainmaker. Once I did that, I turned it over to my team with a lot of good directions about where we're going and what this needs to be. But they built the whole thing out behind me. And while I would touch base along the way at various times that it was set up that, that we predetermined needed to be there so we could make sure what was getting done was what I wanted to be get it done according to what I feel the client's needs are. And once I had that in place, then all I had to do then was once that whole package was put together was present it and sell it. Uh, Rainmaker again. So what happens there is that my time is highly utilized and their time is all in production. Now I can show you exactly how to do that. All right. I've done it. I've done it for a whole bunch of people. I've done it for, I did it for myself to start with. Right. So, you know, that's what our, our structure program's all about is building up this back room so that you can do that, so that you can have that kind of freedom. So that, you know, allows you to be profitable, highly profitable, especially since now that you're leveraged and you've got systems in place and, and a team that can do it, you can take on more clients. You can do probably half again, maybe twice as many clients with a system in place. And you're highly profitable, which means that you end up being highly paid, right? And you can have a life, right? We all would like that piece back, right? So there's a mindset involved in making this kind of shift, okay? It's adapting the 80-20 rule, Okay, the 80-20 rule is the Paribo principle, and it says that 80% of your income or 80% of your results come from 20% of your effort. So it's very, very important, and we do this in our structure program to start with, is to figure out what your 20% is that creates 80% of the income and 80% of the result, okay? There's this honing in on that that, that makes an enormous difference because we don't want a $200 an hour person doing a $30 an hour job. That's a great way to lose money, okay, and make yourself crazy too. All right, so so there's this this paradigm shift in here of thinking how I do this business and being very strategic about doing what you do best. Okay, now I explained how I did it, where you know I connected with the client, developed that front end, did the concept, got that piece going, sold the job, and then with some really clear directions, had a system for having my team build it out, where you know such a way that I still had my fingerprints all over it. Okay. It was still Terry Taylor's job. It's just building, being built in my back room by somebody else. No problem. And then they would put the whole package together so I could present it. 
Okay. We had a system for pre presenting and how we, we worked out of notebooks. <laughs> Not surprising, right? We worked out of notebooks for presentations for the most part, and every notebook was set up exactly the same. It was a system so that I knew when I picked it up what was going to be first, what was second, what was third. Huh? It was exactly the way I want it laid out. They would build it for me. So I had a seamless approach when I went to, to present it to the client. I collected the money, brought it back, gave everything back to the designer who was working on that, and she produced all the purchase orders and got them into the system, right? So all of that can be yours, okay? You can actually do that, right? You just need to know how. You need to have some systems. You need to learn how to build team. You need to learn how to delegate. These are not things that are beyond you. They're just things that you need to learn. Okay. It's not, um, somebody is, is naturally a great delegator. <laughs> it's not, that's, that's not it. There's just some, some, some rules to it and a structure to it that you need to follow and it works really well. So what I'm telling you is that all of that is available to you. Your 800,000 to a million dollar business should be able to support your team and give you $150,000, paycheck as sets, as it sets right now. Okay. If you had some teams and systems behind you, you would have the profit out of it. You would have some structure. You would know where you were going and you'd have a great paycheck. Right. So once you, if you take something that's, that's 800,000 or a mil right now and you get the structure put into it, it's likely to grow, uh, usually about 30% just in finding the money. Right. And that gives you even, even better paycheck. I think though, the really the juiciest part of this is that once that team's set up and you stop reacting to fires, you know, you, you stop being the head fire putter outer <laughs> and, and have somebody else do that and build out systems and ways of having that not happen. Because for everything that happens, there's a way to do it. There's a way to, to fix that. Right. Once you get that piece going, then you're really, you're in really good shape. The coolest thing is that once this is all set up, you can actually take a vacation. You could actually go for three weeks away. You can go to Europe for three weeks and have your business run without you, have clients served, have money still coming in, have, you know, everything still runs in the background, even when you're not there. And that is probably the most exciting part of this <laughs> all together is is that freedom it's the freedom with it's freedom and a paycheck so that you can you can you know you can have both it really it really is there all right so that's what i have for you today this is all about um, our structure program this is actually what we teach in that level and um it's very very rewarding to see how businesses flourish and designers flourish and get their life back and and get a paycheck too so until i talk to you next design something beautiful and get paid what you're worth bye-bye i hope you enjoyed today's episode of interior design business podcast if you love what you're hearing each week let me know by leaving a rating and a review and don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss out on clear, proven, repeatable, step-by-step -step recipes for attracting ideal luxury clients I share in each episode. As always, you can head over to interiordesignbusinessacademy.com to check out the links and resources from this episode. Till next week, design something beautiful and get paid what you're worth.